Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope, all of you here in the room. Those of you joining us online, we're glad you're with us too. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, Let's bow our heads and pray as we begin. Thank you, God, uh, that you are with us. Uh, That as we gather together to worship you, to sing to you, and to pray to you, and to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures, and gather around your table, God, we believe that you meet us here, right here, in the reality reality that we live in. So today, God, we don't hold anything back from you, but we offer you all of ourselves. Uh, all the, the questions we walk in with, the frustrations we walk in with, the, the griefs, the, the joys, the celebration, everything, God. Uh, everything that we are today, we uh, are hoping that we can encounter everything that, that you are. All of your grace, all of your love, everything that you have uh, to give us today, God. Uh, so please, would you help us to be open to you and open to each other? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're uh, interested and able, let's stand and sing. Worthy of all our 
your presence all our fears are washed away one more time because in your you we find strength to face the day and in your presence all our fears are washed away washed away Hosanna Hosanna you are the God who saves us worthy of all our praises Hosanna Hosanna come have your way among us we welcome you here Lord Jesus Amen Psalm 98.1 says Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power.
Psalm 27:13 says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. bow your heads with me let's continue the prayer that we started with these songs 
God, we are here today because your love has drawn us. We are here today because you have been kind to unworthy sinners like us, people who have made a mess of the lives that you had uh, given us and, and the, the world, the responsibilities you've given us, the relationships you've given us. God, the only reason that we are not still lost in the darkness, uh, still struggling to, to make it through each day is because of you. It's because you shined your light into our darkness. It's because you came to us in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our death, and you found us. You, you embraced us. You, you brought us home. Thank you, God, for taking our sin and death and giving us life, giving us healing, giving us wholeness, taking our sin and giving us your, your righteousness. You are too good to us, God. And we are incredibly grateful for the love that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that today, whatever we might find ourselves going through, whatever weight of guilt or shame might be pressing down upon us today, uh, God, we can find today an opportunity to find forgiveness, to find freedom, to, to see that uh, burden lifted from our shoulders, to begin to see ourselves as you see us, as people loved by you, as people valuable to you. And whatever grief might be weighing us down, uh, whatever dark shadow might be uh, kind of over us today, God, you are here to comfort us. You are here to, to lead us through the dark valley. You are here to, to get us back out into the light again. Thank you, God. Whatever pains we might walk into, into this place with, whatever, whatever hurts, God, your healing is present and is ready to help us to, to grow, to, to heal, to, to find ourselves stronger today because of what you've brought us through yesterday. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you for the ways that you never give up on us. You never let go of us. You continue to, to guide us and to lead us and to walk with us toward this beautiful future that you have for each and every one of us. God, today, I pray that you would give us that, that hope. Give us that awareness. Give us that, uh, that openness to the future you have for us. We no longer need to be defined by our past mistakes, by what has been done to us, by, by who we have been, God. We can be your children. We can be your people. We can say yes to your amazing yes that you say to us. Thank you, God. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you. We pray you help us to continue to be open to you throughout the remainder of this hour, our time together. As we, uh, as we celebrate some of the, the good that you have done, as we are open to some of the challenges you might place before us, uh, God, we are confident. We are confident that you are here to meet us. You are here to love us. And so we are happy to do as this song just sang, to bow down, to acknowledge you as God. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will the peace of the Lord be with you? And also with you.
Thank you. Let's uh, take a couple minutes, those of us in the room, let's extend that peace to each other. Um, you can shake somebody's hand, you can say peace, you can say good morning, anything you like. All right. Well, hopefully everybody got one of those little, uh, little bulletin things when you came in to tell you what's going on around here this week. And uh, um, somebody asked, like, hey, where's Pastor Judy? She's usually here right now, and uh, she is preaching at another church today. So, um, and then uh, I'm not preaching today either. So Jason's going to be bringing us a message today. So, uh, oh, yeah, excitement. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but, uh, but first, just a couple of announcements. Uh, we would love to hear from you, to connect with you, to let you. To, to hear how we can pray for you. Um, if you're online or if you want to grab your smartphone, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect and you can fill out a little digital connect card. Or if you're here in the room, there's little green cards back there uh, by the offering box and you can let us know, uh, you know any question that you have or comment or uh, uh, way we can be praying for you. And just drop that in the offering box. If you're giving today, you can, you can drop that in there as well. Or you can go to livinghope.info slash give and you can give there. Um, and then um, I did have some, uh, let's see, trying to think of all the different things I needed to, to say this morning. But one that I, that I did want to mention to you, some of you know um, uh, Joe Drouse. He attended here several times, and he um, sadly passed away this past week. And uh, so his funeral is going to be tomorrow. And um, if, uh, if you want the details on that, I was just looking. I don't see an obituary posted, but if you want the details for Joe's funeral, uh, it's going to be up in Chesterton tomorrow at noon, I believe. And um, does that sound right? Anyway. 10 o'clock, I think, is a visitation, right? And then, and then a service. And Anyway, so if you'd like details about that, let me grab me after the service, and I'll be happy to pass those along to you. Um, and then uh, we are hosting a family this week with Family Promise. We've got somebody who's going to be staying the night here uh, each night, and then during the day they go on to work or to a day center and all the different things. But, uh, but tonight I think we still have, oh, now I think we just are down to one uh, meal left uh, that at 5.30 we provide dinner for them and then a safe place to sleep uh, for the night. And so if you'd like that to grab that one last dinner, uh, let me know and I'll, I'll be happy to let you bring that in for them. Um, and thank you to all of you who've signed up to help and are going to be staying the night and bringing meals and all that other good stuff. So um, let's see, can I, uh, can we just pray for you before you guys hop up here? Does that sound good? All right. Thanks, God, for all that you're doing uh, among the, the young folks in our church, the students, and uh, the things you're doing through Jason and Jessica. Uh, pray that you would um, bless this time that we have together. Bless them as they bring to us, uh, you know, a celebration of accomplishments and, um, and a message from your word. So, God, we desire to, to hear from you today. So we pray you'd help us to do that. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Who, who gets this first? You? All right. Yes, Here you me. Go. All right. Guess I'm supposed to go up there. All right. I'm at that point in my life where um, I don't know what to do with my glasses because I, I kind of can't see it, my notes anymore. So do I hold it up here or try to look at it down there? I think I'm going to. This is how you know that maybe your time in youth ministry is coming to a close. <laughs> Here we go. Yes, much better. Greetings to everyone. <laughs> it has been an unbelievable privilege to be the youth director at Living Hope Community Church. It has been just over a year. You really do need that much time just to get the lay of the land, to build relationships, to learn the rhythms of the church, to learn people's names, what ministries are going on, what people value, etc. I have learned that Living Hope values its young people, that for years 
real discipleship has been going on. Just over a year ago, Jessica and I became a part of Living Hope. We have always felt warmly welcomed from the laid back and accepting atmosphere to the music where it's hard to believe that so many talented people attend this medium-sized church. It's really something. To the sermons being focused and grounded in scripture, to the pastoral staff being kind-hearted and kingdom-focused. All of this has been a real joy and, frankly, healing to experience. But by far, the most impressive part of this church are the children that have been raised up in the faith. It has been a real joy being around them, teaching them and learning from them. I believe because of who they are in Christ, youth ministry here at Living Hope Community Church is in a position to thrive because of what has been modeled for them, because of what they have been taught in children's church, because of the faith, hope, and love they have experienced in this body of believers, because of their relationship with the living God, the fact that it is real. I believe that we are ready for great things. Amen? All right. Oh, Jessica? Oh, it always falls down. All right. Okay, so at this time, we're going to have our seniors come on up here, and they're all looking at me with happy, smiley faces. (laughs) Zach, not quite there yet. (laughs) Almost, buddy, almost. (laughs) You can put your Bible down. So um, we have done this several times, a youth service in our ministry, um, many, many, many times. Oh, scooch, scooch, scooch. Okay. Um, And I have to be honest in saying that this is going to be, although one of our smallest, definitely one of our best. These three kids, except for maybe the one on the end who's our son, just joking, (laughs) are um, pretty tremendous kids. They are awesome. They are just amazing. And I know they have amazing, amazing futures ahead. Um, So when we came in here, yes, yes, yes. Um, We came into this church in a really weird time, not for uh, only us, but also for them. I mean, these are kiddos who had to deal with a pandemic in their high school. And I mean, none of us can really say, you know, we were in a pandemic in our senior years. I don't think anybody can in here, but definitely these guys can. So when I was thinking about all the things I normally do, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, what are you going to tell, you know? What, what was the best thing you had in high school? What did you do? What are your accomplishments? I thought, I'm going to do something different this time because no one has experienced what these guys went through um, in school. And they're all looking at me very happy about this question. <laughs> so because of that, and knowing that you guys lived through a pandemic, through high school, you know, covered in face masks, hand sanitizer, and I'm also an administrator at a school, and it was not easy watching you little guys run through schools, you know, fear, not knowing if you're going to have prom, if you're going to have graduation, if you're going to even get through school, you know, online, all these different things, if you had to think of one thing that you either learned from it or you could take from it, what would that be? Didn't even get to think about this one. All right, so I think for me, 
it was just kind of weird adjusting to whether or not you didn't know whether you're going to flip to online or go in school. Some friends you would see one day and then you'd be texting them the next day wondering if they got contact traced because, I don't know, Betty Sue in their third period were feeling ill. So then they have to contact trace and then everybody gets to go home. So it was just, you dealt with it. If you got a call home saying that you had to stay home, you switched to computer and then you did your work online, submitted it online, and then you kept going. It was honestly very weird, but we made it. Yes, you did. Okay, so one thing I've learned throughout going through school in the pandemic is definitely like being more flexible. Because like he said, like you never know like if you're gonna have to switch online for like a couple weeks or whatever. And then I also like switched schools, like for my junior year, I was new to school and we were online that whole year. So it made it like extra difficult trying to like learn the roots of that school and like learning people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I learned to silently pray in your head all the time. I shouldn't be up here, but uh, online classes. So yeah, it was pretty, yeah, just, confine in God when you need to and maybe some good stuff will happen. Church. It's fun. So the real reason I asked these guys that was because, like I said, I work in administration in a school and every single day I would have loads of kiddos complaining, complaining, complaining. And I never heard a complaint out of these three. Whether it was something got canceled, school was messed up, a friend had COVID, whatever it was, these guys never complain. And that's just who they are. So I kind of threw that question at them because, like I said, I was wondering what they were going to say. Um, these are amazing, amazing kiddos. I'm so proud of them. And we couldn't even kick them out of a youth group if we wanted to because they're definitely going to be leaders for us. And stick with us forever. So we just have a little something for you guys. We're so thankful for you. And like I said, they'll be probably with us till they're 30 plus. And um, <laughs> well, you forever, but um, we just want to say you guys have brought so much joy to us coming back into youth ministry, um, learning from you guys, really kind of starting from scratch again. You have been amazing. We love you. We can't go on and on and on all day how much you guys mean to us. So congratulations to your class of 2022. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, um, like I said, we have a little present for you. So thank All you, right. Jason. All right. Well, I don't think I'll embarrass you any further right now. Maybe later, spontaneously. We'll see. All right. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, so we recently took a trip to Six Flags Great America, and uh, we have some pictures of that we'd like to show you. It's pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> Stand up, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? 
How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Balak, king of Moab, concealed, and what Balaam, son of Bor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, uh, that you may now know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before an exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and tens of thousands rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. Good job, bud. I think you actually did your homework. Way to go. (laughs) We have something pretty special going in youth ministry right now. Um, Pastor Rich introduced me to something called the Bible Project. Uh, Is anyone here familiar with it? Okay. Super, super cool. It, it, it gives you a little cartoon, uh, which is really, really cool. It's kind of like the same thing in, in ancient times, the big stained glass, the pictures. It gives you something to hang your perceptions on, and it's really, really cool. It's really, really good uh, scholarship, and uh, it helps us focus on the Bible chapter and verse all the way through. So that's kind of been a part of this ministry moving forward. Uh, It's really, really exciting. Uh, We're going to show a little clip of a video just to give you an idea if you're not familiar with it. The reading was from Micah just now, and uh, the story goes something like Micah is angry with the leaders of Israel because they have become wealthy through theft and greed. He is also angry with the religious leaders for abusing their power. These religious and political leaders collude together to run society through bribery. They bend justice to to favor the wealthy, and the poor are deprived of their land. So God's judgment comes, yet there is this message of hope that Jerusalem will thrive in the future, which, of course, it does. Micah gives two reasons for this. Because it is part of God's character to forgive, reason number one. Reason number two, God already promised Abraham, and he is true to his promises. This is a really interesting time in youth ministry. Um, It's a really interesting time in the world. Uh, We have, I have never seen a nation so divided. I have never seen friendships, even marriages broken up because of polarization, let's say. So it's a difficult, difficult task sometimes. Um, A few sermons ago, Pastor Rich talked about Daniel, and he talked about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and how they took this third path, how they worked for the betterment of their country, but ultimately their loyalty was to God. 
In reading Micah, it made me a bit nervous, actually. It made me really examine myself. And it made me think that I did not want to be one of those religious leaders who were colluding with politicians or even colluding with this idea that does not come from the Bible. As far as I'm able to tell, we have this climate now and our children are being raised in this climate where people are at each other's throats and they are offered these two versions of reality. And I have decided to reject both of those forms of reality for this reality that I find in the Bible. I have decided to, with everything that I am worth, to focus on these scriptures, to get our kids to focus on these scriptures. And I'm not doing it as somebody who has all the answers, as it says, to love justice and mercy and walk humbly with your God. And truly, I feel humbled because I don't always know. But I am learning from them, and they're learning from me. We are, as the term goes, a disciple, a methetes, a learner. We are becoming learners together. And I believe that we can help heal this world with this third way of seeing things. Working for the betterment of our neighbors, working for the betterment of our country, but ultimately our loyalty to our God, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love Micah. I mean, how many people have this hung up somewhere, this, this uh, love justice and mercy and walk humbly with your God? Yes, 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 right, right. Um, let's remember to do that. I don't know the answers, and the kids will tell you, I stay very, very far away from politics. As a leader, as somebody who is responsible, responsible for teaching young people, I'm not trying to create clones. I'm not trying to even tell them what to do in the world. I'm trying to teach them how to read this book, I'm trying to teach them how to have a living relationship with the resurrected Lord. The implications of that, they will have to figure out. Me personally, when reading Micah, it made me really nervous. And so I stepped back and thought these things out. And I said, I'm going to do everything I can to give these kids this book and this relationship with this living God. And... Uh, Actually, it makes me sad I can't read Hebrew now that I'm watching all these videos. I put all that effort into Greek, and I'm like, man, I should have taken a Hebrew class because it's so cool. And, well, I kind of messed that up. All right. Um, it's time for our next reading. And I know she did her homework because her sister would have told on her. <laughs> His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For, though, for through him we both have 
access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, by, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Good job. All right. Oh, yeah. Video. Video. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The story of how Paul came to the city of Ephesus is really interesting. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. Ephesus was a huge city. It was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. And for over two years, Paul had a really effective missionary presence there, and lots of people became followers of Jesus. Years later, after being imprisoned by the Romans, Paul wrote this letter. The movement of thought in the letter divides into two really clear halves. In the first half, Paul is exploring the story of the gospel, how all history came to its climax in Jesus and in his creation of this multi-ethnic community of his followers. The second half of the letter is linked to the first by the word, therefore. And here Paul explores how the gospel story should affect how we live every part of our life story, personally, in our neighborhoods and communities and in our families. So let's dive in and we can see how Paul develops all of this. Chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish-style poem where Paul praises God the Father for the amazing things that he has done in Christ Jesus. From eternity past, the Father has purposed to choose and bless a covenant people. And think here, the family of Abraham and Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And through Jesus now, anyone can be adopted into that family. Jesus' death covers our worst sins, our worst failures, and in Jesus we find God's grace. In fact, Paul says, that grace has opened up a whole new way for us to understand every part of our lives. He says in chapter 1, verse 10, that God's purpose was to unify all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, which is a title that means Messiah. God's plan was always to have a huge family of restored human beings who are unified in Jesus the Messiah. This divine purpose became clear, Paul says, when we were first made into that family. And here he's referring to ethnic Jews in the family of Abraham. But then Paul talks about how you, and here he means non-Jews, you all heard about Jesus and the salvation through him. And you were also brought into this family by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so here he's referring to the events told in the stories of Acts about how God's spirit brought together Jew and non-Jew into one family in Jesus. It's just like God promised to Abraham long ago. Now that's pretty cool, isn't it? Super, super cool. Um, man, it has given us so much more focus in, in teaching time, for sure. Um, Ephesians, spoiler alert, one of my favorite books. Uh, yeah, one of my favorites. Some people feel Paul didn't write it. Usually there are these five authentic letters of Paul. I, I actually don't buy all of that. I believe he wrote all 13, and I have my reasons for that. So I'm just going to... Talk about this as if Paul wrote this letter. Not that you might care about that, but I, I think he did. Uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians what God is up to. God is reconciling all people by means of Christ. Christ is not only reconciling us to him, 
but he is also reconciling us to each other. Paul sees the alienation between God and man as being symbolized and enacted by the alienation between races, Jew and Gentile. So the fact that Jew and Gentile hate each other is a sign of their alienation from God. What Paul is saying is when human beings hate each other, they cannot be in a right relationship with God. Ephesians tells us that the death of Jesus broke down the wall of separation while creating a new humanity in the spirit. So Jew and Gentile can now both be close to God and close to each other. In Ephesians, the mission of the church is to draw people to Christ and to, and to each other, right? It's not just drawing people to Christ, but it's bringing people closer together. Uh, St. Augustine said, it's like spokes in a wheel. The closer we get to God, the closer we get to each other. If you're into St. Augustine, I named my dog after him, by the way, so, you know. I like that guy. Um, So the mission of the church is to draw people to Christ and to each other, in part by being a light to the world. One of the things I really love about youth ministry is that it reaches out. It reaches out. It's, It's one of those ministries, and we have a few of those going on in this church right now. It is a light to the world. And it reaches out to people, and it is a light to the world by being a laboratory for the world's possibilities. They are watching how we live our lives, especially how we treat each other. The church has the capacity to show the world how people can dwell in peace as a diverse yet unified people in faith by the power of the Spirit. Male or female, slave or free, Jew or Greek, a community where everyone is valued, I think Paul is saying, if we live out this vision, God can reform the world. The church is the sacrament of the world's possibilities. It is a symbol or a pointer to what the world might become. Even if it is just your little corner of the world that becomes incredibly bright, or maybe more, maybe much more. I love Ephesians because it casts this positive vision for the church. You know, um, it stresses the fact and makes it clear that our alienation from each other is a symbol and a sign of our alienation from God. There are all kinds of reasons why human beings can be alienated from each other. But the message in Ephesians is it does not matter, right? It does not matter if you're a male or a female, right? Your social status, rich, a slave, or free. Your race, Jew or Gentile. And back then, in that context, everyone was either a Jew or a Gentile, a Jew or a Greek. And so the church has at some times had a problem embracing that vision, that vision that we find in Ephesians. But 
Also, the thing I really, really love about the book, that particular book, is that it casts this vision for the members of the church, a vision of empowerment that says, yes, you have something to do. You are one of those bricks, brick by brick. The Lord Jesus is building this kingdom. It's not some professional ministry, you know. It's not you go to Bible college or something like that. It's like you have met the resurrected Messiah. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live this life of faith, hope, and love in the world. It is there for you. It doesn't matter about X. All of that doesn't matter. And I really like that, actually. I think that's really good news, it would seem to me. Ephesians, the last verse of what Holly read, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I love that, you know. We are being built together as something. And in this place, God lives here by his spirit. I am so blessed and privileged to have come to this church because I feel there's a lot less work to do for that. I really feel a spirit of unity here. I feel a, a, a gracious spirit. It's been very healing for Jessica and I to be here. But I wanted to tell a little story about my last ministry stop, if I can. And it has a really happy ending, but didn't start that way. And... Um, it was a difficult time to begin with. Uh, we started with two kids. Um, I was a new convert to Christianity, to the faith. And so only being a Christian for a short period of time, maybe a year and a half, um, I started to volunteer in the youth group. And before long, I was the one teaching the lessons. It's not the way I planned it, it's just the way it happened. And there was a lot of adversity in that particular body about that. There was a lot of conflict about that. Who is this Johnny come lately and why is he already doing this? And uh, it was more of a traditional church. Uh, the pastor at the time was bumping heads with the senior saints in the church. We had worship wars, I mean, you name it, you know. And it was, it was rough sledding. And uh, like I said, we only had a couple of kids. So something dawned on me when I was reading Ephesians, okay, and reading the whole, all the Pauline letters. I said, wow, Paul talks a lot about this ministry of reconciliation. And I started to really look into that. And when I learned that the alienation... Uh, between people was a sign of our alienation between God, I decided that I was going to make friends with these people no matter what. They didn't want me there. I was going to show up. I was going to show up to their fish fries. I was going to show up to their little Bible studies. I was going to take them to the doctor. They, they, and, and they couldn't stand me at first. And I, they just, they were not going to be able to deny it. And actually, initially, 
I didn't have that much success there, just kind of like, what's this guy doing here? How many times have we got to tell this guy we don't like him? This kind of thing. You know what I mean? But, but it dawned on me. We have this, we had this senior saint couple in the church, Chester and Norma. And I said, you know what? Everybody loves and respects them. If I get them to like me, everyone else will have no choice. And so I said, we're going to launch this youth ministry, and I'm going to start this uh, leadership team. So what I did was I invited Chester to be on the youth leadership team. And I had him pray before uh, every meeting and after and they were really happy, the senior saints, because they had one of their own watching me, everything that I did, you know. And I was like, great, you know, this is great. And um, what happened was we, we remodeled a part of the building, and uh, we, to make a long story short, we started this Friday night thing where kids can just come and hang out. And then six months after the Friday night thing, we put up a little sign that said, youth group you know, is here, and we didn't even tell anyone about it. So, reverse, back to our first day of opening on Friday night, I think we had 113 kids come. It was like, we, had, we didn't know if five kids were going to come, really. We had no idea. And who was there? Chester and Norma. They were one of the most important people that we had in that ministry, watching the kids, because you got to watch those kids, you know. They're all over the church, they're running around. And about six months later, about half of those kids made it into youth group. It was a crazy thing. And I remember being interviewed on the district and them asking me, how, how did you do this? And I was like, I have no idea what actually happened here and how any of this actually happened. But you know, in reflection, you can see it began with the Ministry of Reconciliation. It began with Chester and Norma and I becoming friends. Then that started to spread, right? Then they started talking to those other people, the senior saints. And by the time we actually left the church many years later, uh, they were in the front row crying. That's how it was. We were like a family in one of the most down times in our life when we had a loss in our family, they were there serving us, right? And to this day, I love those people, and they love me. But the point of it is, it's, it, it showed me what Ephesians is trying to say, right? That there is no separating the love of God from the love of neighbor, that those two things are connected and they will always be connected. That it is a, we've heard this before, a twofold commandment, right? You have to love God, heart, mind, and strength, neighbor as yourself. And especially, as Paul says, within the family, within the community, right? That you have to sort of put those differences aside, whatever they may happen to be, and love each other. And when you do that, what do you know? The Holy Spirit shows up. Right? You run into the resurrected Jesus. So years later, if I were to be interviewed, and they were to say, well, how did you do this? I would say, well, first of all, I didn't really do anything other than find a way to love my neighbor. Find a way to love the people that didn't maybe initially love me so much. 
And that's the hardest thing to do sometimes. In this world of, of polarization, I have decided to take a step back and immerse myself in this word of God. And I'm trying to separate myself so much from what's happening in the world that I, I even teach the kids about something I call the, the Christian meta-narrative, right? I don't even say Christian worldview because that term has been co-opted. I say this is, it's the death, it's the resurrection, right? It's the symbolic world of Torah. It's all of these things. And I'm not giving them any implications to any of it. This is just the word. This is what it is. And much of the time, I don't even know what some of it means. And so maybe we can figure this out together, you know, because we do have to find a way to live in this world. We do have to find a way to love our neighbor. We do have to find a way to love the person that votes different from you, that looks different from you, right? You have to do that. And if you do that, God will richly bless you, right? That 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 connection with God is something that cannot happen without connections to people because we are made in his image. And so this is one of the things that I'm trying to teach the kids. Um, so uh, justice versus righteousness. Uh, what is more important? And the thing is, well, obviously, both are the most important. And uh, I, I've been doing some word studies in Hebrew. I wish I would have taken that class, and I didn't. And they are related concepts. But in the New Testament language, diake, 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 sune, it's the same word. And sometimes I feel like in this world, there's a certain group that pursues justice without righteousness. And then there's another group that wants righteousness without justice. And I say, let's go that third way. Let's let the Bible instruct us on what to do, how to act in the world, and how to treat our neighbor. So that's the best I can do, I think. Um, wow. You know, I think Dylan asked if he could say something. I might have asked you. I don't know. Did I? But now's the time, my friend. Come on up. I guess uh, I kind of want to focus on uh, some of the main points that Jason has brought up. Um, for the most part, I will, I mean, I think the most valuable lesson he has given me. Okay. So the most valuable lesson that Jason has taught me in our youth group program is kind of the, the whole idea of faith and how it differs between different, um, I guess, variations between our churches. We all have one whole community and we all you know, worship the same God, but it's all how we perceive our view of faith. And I never looked at it like that. I've always considered everybody as like, you know, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I mean, it kind of turned it upside down because he was like, well, how are you focusing on giving back to God in a sense? I mean, I've always figured, hey, pray, go to church. Well, I've also been somebody who's been generous and tried to take care of my fellow, you know, person near me. And I've always considered, okay, that, you know, that's the right way to do it. And he kind of highlighted on serve your brothers and sisters as a way to serve Jesus. It, and he kind of, 
it changed it for me because I was thinking, you know, especially with me trying to join worship team and all that, um, trying to give back to God, and he's like highlighting the fact that I should serve other people a little bit more as well. So I think that's the most valuable lesson he's given me so far. I don't think that I have to tell you this. Dylan is an amazing and wonderful kid. He really is. Um, yeah, well, that fit in well with the sermon, so way to go, bud. <laughs> um, yes. Um, well, the thing is, there is a big kingdom, right? There is. We are kingdom builders, brick by brick. Each one of us, we are important in that process, um, and that's something that I've tried to uh, convey to the kids. Um, yeah, we were talking about the writing of uh, the Gospel of John and how that particular gospel was probably not written by an eyewitness and how the youngest person in the community, right, is probably the person that preserved that document as people were getting old and were dying. And so I told we were all there, and I told uh, Molly, hey, picture me, an old Jewish guy, I'm about to die. And, you know, f to her, I'm probably like 100 years old. You know how that is when you're so young. You're 45? Oh, my God, like, you're still alive? You know how they are. So, at any rate, I'm like, picture me, I'm this Jewish guy, I'm about to die, okay? And here you are sitting in, in the corner, and you're all quiet, and no one's even thinking about you or saying anything to you and paying any attention to you. And people think I'm this great teacher, and oh, boo-hoo, what are they going to do when I'm dead? Well, the most quiet, the youngest person in the room nobody is paying attention to is paying attention. And they are writing this masterpiece that will edify the Christian community for thousands of years. That's how it works. You just never know where it comes from. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, I'm really into it. So, um, I guess uh, it's about time to close. I have no concept of time, by the way. I am a type C minus personality, I will tell you. So, I have no concept of time. But, I will, uh, I will close with this. Pray about how or may possibly you want to be a part of this youth ministry. You may be somebody who wants to pray about it all the time. You may be somebody who wants to be on the leadership team that we are going to create to help us with ideas or you may want to be involved in a different way. We want to put together a leadership team, and just like my leadership team before, we want somebody, we want a senior saint to be a part of it. We want kids that just aged out of the youth group to be part of it. Uh, we want people in their 40s or 50s or 30s. It doesn't matter. What we want are people who love each other, who want to talk about how we can build this kingdom together brick by brick. So please pray about that. And uh, you can find me. You know where I'm at. I mean, you can message me on Facebook or whatever the case may be. And uh, I think because of the people that you are, because of the way that this body of believers has raised these children, that we are prime 
to run into the resurrected Jesus together. That's what I think. Thank you, Jason. Can we bow our heads? Let's, let's pray before we celebrate communion together. Thank you, God. Uh, thank you for the work you're doing uh, among the young people at this church, for the work you're doing among all of us at this church, for the work you're doing in the world. God, we are privileged to be a part of it. And, uh, and we thank you, God, that you really are uh, building us together into this temple where your spirit dwells. Uh, thank you, God, that we get to be a part of this uh, this experiment, this laboratory where uh, the people around us can look at us and see, oh, that's what God wants to do with people. Oh, that's how people could interact. That's how people can love each other across differences that would normally divide them. Uh, God, I pray you'd help us to continue to, to model that well and that you would help us to see those ways in which we can grow uh, in that. Uh, thank you, God. Thank you again for your grace uh, there is not a single one of us here who's got this thing down perfect. Uh, each and every one of us uh, depend on you uh, each and every day to continue to guide us, to lead us, uh, to help us to grow, to improve, to look more and more like Jesus in the way that we love you and in the way that we love our neighbors. So we thank you, God, that you have not left us to just kind of stumble around and figure this out on our own, but, but you are with us and you do help us. You've given us uh, gifts like the sacrament of Holy Communion that we're about to celebrate, uh, where we give to you these simple gifts of bread and juice. And by your Spirit's presence here, we have the opportunity to meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, reminded each week of the love that you have for us, reminded of, of the way that you entered into our brokenness, our darkness, our death, uh, to bring us life and healing, and light. Thank you, God. Thank you for the great love that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. To know that our sin was not greater than your grace. To know that no matter who we are or what we've done, no matter how we have mishandled this life that you've given us up to this point, God, that out of love for us, you have come to us to restore, to renew, to change, to transform, to help us to, to live in this world differently now. To be shaped by your Holy Spirit as you are at work here in your church community, as you send us out into the world. God, we offer you ourselves today and we pray that by your Spirit's work that we might be transformed, that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your temple, as this, this community, as these people, where your Holy Spirit can be encountered in the way that we live, in the way that we love. Thank you, God. Uh, each and every one of us, we are here only because of your grace. We confess to you our need of forgiveness. Uh, we, we admit the ways that we have not loved you with all that we are. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are so grateful that because of Jesus Christ, we can receive your forgiveness and your grace. We can be embraced by you and given a fresh start. We celebrate that today. We celebrate your ongoing, transforming work in our hearts and in our lives through this sacrament you've given us. So thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, The high styles are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with the basket of bread and with a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, We've got the regular bread and the gluten-free wafers and the little little cups if that's what you want. Or if you don't uh, want to join the procession or get that close, we've got those cups on the tables as well uh, that you can use them right there and, and peel it back and get to the bread and get to the juice as we sing. Uh, This is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who are so grateful for the love and grace that he's shown us in Jesus Christ. So let's give him thanks. Let's celebrate.
dissolve like snow the sun forbear to shine but God who called me here below will be forever mine will be Thank you, God, once again, for the amazing grace and love that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your grace so that as we leave this place, as we go into the world that you love, the world that you've created, as we rub shoulders with, uh, with people that Jesus died for, would you help us to carry with us that same grace and love that you've given to us? Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.